Hello and welcome to the debut episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by three top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's Premier League action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by James Capps. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Firstly, who do you support? And is it fair to say you're a bit of a numbers man when it comes to betting? Uh, you could say that. I do like my uh, my value bets in the double chance market and whatnot. And I do I do have a bit of a penchant when it comes to backing teams that either go 2-0 down inside 15 minutes or conceding three in the final half an hour. And I've actually got examples of both from, from, the, from the last few weeks. I backed Everton against Norwich um, in my ACA last weekend. So don't judge me too much. And... On the other side of the spectrum, I got let down pretty badly by Forest Green Rovers in League Two. They were five-two up about three weeks ago against bottom of the table Oldham, and then they can conspired to concede. I think it's three goals in the final twenty-five minutes of the game to draw it. So I've been through I've been through the mill plenty of times as a better, and I'm very much your sort of run of the mill unlucky punter. And in terms of the football team I support, that that bad fortune kind of extends to that as well. Really, I'm, I'm a Derby County oh, fan, dear. which. Is about as depressing as it gets, really, for a football fan at the minute. We're at uh, our lowest ebb. Um, we desperately need to find some form of solution with the EFL, with Middlesbrough, with Wickham Wanderers, and then there's the, the small matter of a £30 million debt to HMRC. So, no biggie, really. So, I mean, the only good thing at the moment is that on the pitch, we're giving things a, a real good fist, despite the 21-point deduction. And, yeah, I'm still sat in my rocking chair, slowly going mad, telling myself that it won't happen, we won't go bust. And yeah, I do think we'll probably find a buyer, but yeah, still very worrying times for us. Well, while James stresses about Derby County, let's move to our second guest. I'm joined by Ross Heppenstall. So Ross, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Where does your football support go? And what kind of betting style would you say that you have? Yeah, good afternoon, Dan. Yeah, I'm actually a Liverpool supporter for my sins. I'm, I'm from that neck of the woods originally. I live in Leeds now, so been covering Leeds United for, for the last few years sort of you know watching their renaissance under Marcelo Bielsa been fascinating to see that unfold certainly um, yeah I'm, I, I like a flutter certainly I'm, I'm a football I'm a football man um, I'm doing the Prem Predictor for freebets.com every week uh, glad to say I, I called it right last night Brighton won Chelsea won um, yeah I, I, I tend to tend to have a flutter on Premier League now and again, also do a bit on Super League in the Rugby League. Um, but yeah, I, I, Premier League's my, my sort of forte, if you like. But I also dip into the Football League, cover a bit of Championship football. So I'm abreast of, of goings on throughout all 92 clubs, really. And of course, last but certainly not least is Jamie Brown. Now, Jamie, like myself, is a Tottenham fan. So you are in very safe hands this <laughs> afternoon. But could you provide the listeners with a bit of background regarding your betting experience? Yeah, I'm, yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, I'm a Spurs fan. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm also I kind of run Daily Hotspur on Twitter. That's another thing that I do. But in terms of betting, um, for the last three or four years, I've been the uh, betting tips uh, writer for One on One Great Goals. Um, actually, last night I actually predicted the same score. Um, I, I predicted one, a one all for Brighton versus Chelsea. So again, you know, Premier League's kind of where my 
you know, where I feel like I'm best at. Um, also cover kind of a range of European football as well, mostly um, the Champions League and Europa League matches. That's what I've been covering this season. Um, but yeah, but Premier League's kind of my, my specialist area for, for this. And um, yeah, obviously to get that result last night in terms of predicting one, I was, I was quite happy with. So yes. That's all the intros out of the way, so let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, if any of our bets in this show take your fancy across the weekend or up to the weekend, be sure to visit the Free Bets website in order to get involved. Put your money where your mouth is. Right, it's time to look ahead to the weekend now, and our first port of call is Friday night. And James, although we're only in January, can we attach a six-pointer label to this fixture? I think it's a, I think it's a 40-pointer, really. I mean, the difference that a win can make would be absolutely huge in the the destinies of both sides and what you can say for Watford at least is that they do have a really good record against Norwich of beating them in each of the last five meetings including a a 3-1 victory at Carrow Road but you've got to be fancying goals in this irrespective of which way you think this one will go Watford have kept just one clean sheet in the last 34 Premier League games and Ironically enough, that came against Liverpool a couple of years ago. And it's not much better for Norwich either, really. Just two clean sheets for them in the last 22 away Premier League matches. So, in terms of bets, I like over 3.5 goals at 23-10. to 10. Um, But in terms of a win, I quite like the look of Watford win and both teams to score at 3-1. to one. I think they're just that little bit better than Norwich, really. They're more dangerous going forward. They've got a couple more match winners in the final third. And with Norwich winning just once on the road this season, I think it was Brentford. Um, yeah, I think the Hornets will just about get over the line. But yeah, make no mistake about it. I think this one's absolutely huge. But Claudio Ranieri's got the experience of getting teams up for big games, of course, managing Leicester and Managing Greece, of course, against the Faroe Islands. We won't talk about that in too much detail, Claudio, don't worry. But no, I think Watford will just about get there. Emmanuel Dennis, Josh King, Ismail Assar, they've got some genuine match winners there, so I think they'll be okay. Well, Ross, when you look at Norwich, they've certainly been given a boost under Dean Smith. You know, they're making a go of the Premier League this season. When you looked at their time under Daniel Farker, it was almost non existent. But there's a real root problem at Norwich's season just 10 goals that's less than a goal every other game at the moment and when you look at that tally that almost screams relegation doesn't it yeah I was down there a few weeks ago Dan actually I covered the game against Leeds at Carrow Road and there's so much to admire about Norwich City as a football club you know you look at the stadium the fan base the infrastructure you know everything about it is it is geared up for the Premier League, but like you said, just a lack of quality, certainly in terms of scoring goals. And I think that will ultimately prove their downfall. They had an unbelievable win over Everton at the weekend, which obviously sealed Rafa Benitez's fate. Uh, but I think I think there's real pressure on Watford to take the win here on, on home soil. And that would take them four points clear of, of the Canaries. And you, you think it'd be difficult for Norwich to come back from that. Um, on the other hand, you know, a win for, for Dean Smith's men would see them go above Watford and move out of the relegation zone. So, you know, it is a, an absolutely massive game. And, you know, I, I, I'm backing Watford to edge this one. And I think they'll actually get a rare clean clean sheet. You can get a home win at 21-20. to 20 And I'm going for a Watford 2-0 win, 21-2. to 2. Um, I think Watford will, will pull this one off and... Leave Norwich staring relegation in the face. You look at Watford, they are they're quite good for a goal against, aren't they? But more than that, more than two per game on average. And that's yeah. the kind of undoing the hard work when you look at the likes of Dennis and King up front. They are also good for a goal, but for everything mm-hmm. they do at one end, it's double the danger at the other. So are they in danger themselves of being simply too leaky at the back? And that is what could send them down at the end of the season. 
Yeah, I, th- I think they're missing players as well. Like Trusta Kong is, is a guy who's currently away at the African Cup of Nations with Nigeria. So he'll be missing. I think he's been uh, kind of a, a player that has been key for them. So to be without him, I think that even to be without them, is it, I think that's going to be definitely a big blow for them. Um, but obviously, I, the one thing as well, I'd just say with Dean Smith, is that I've been really disappointed with kind of how he started at Norwich. I actually really thought he was a great manager at Aston Villa. But um, obviously, he went on that, you know, just then they did end that run on the, of defeats on the weekend. But uh, even so, I've been really disappointed kind of with the start that he's made. Um, but for me, I think for this this game, I think I'm going to go with the guys. I think that uh, Watford will edge this one. I think Norwich, they've been really poor away from home. They've uh, they've only scored three goals. They've picked up five um, from ten. Ma- they've only picked up five points from ten matches. So I definitely think that Watford will will actually edge this one. And as you said, you know they've got obviously the the goals up front. They've got Dennis, who's got eight goals. He's coming and had a, a really good impact. Um, Josh King as well. And then you have got Jao Pedro. I think scored against Newcastle. So. Um, for me, I'd, I think this is one where I'd actually go for Emmanuel Dennis to to, to definitely get on the score sheet, or maybe even to score first. So that was I've got that thirteen to uh, thirteen to two. So Emmanuel Dennis to score first would probably be my tip because he's he's been fantastic this season um, and a, a really good signing for for Watford. Well, there's a trail of bets that you can utilise through the Free Bets website, and if Watford do win, that could mean bad news for Newcastle. So let's stay at the bottom of the table now because the stakes will be almost just as high at Ellen Road. Leeds play host to Newcastle, and Ross, with the Magpies dropping two points at home to Watford last Saturday, how important could they be coming into the season? Yeah, I, I, to, to be honest, Dan, I really fear for Newcastle United. Uh, I think they're a club in massive trouble, and Eddie Howe, is, he's, he, you know, he, he's rated extremely highly within the game. You know, you speak to people who played uh, under him or, or worked with him, and you know, he's he's always talked of as a future England manager one day, but he's not gone. He's not gone into Newcastle and got that bounce that new managers normally get. And I, I think they're in massive trouble going into this game because Leeds United have won the last two. They turned West Ham over last week. Uh, Jack Harrison hat trick. They beat Burnley in the previous Premier League game. So I think there's there's lead to one of those sides. You know, once they pick up a bit of form and momentum, they tend to go on a bit of a run and. I fancy Leeds on on Saturday. I really do. It's a massive game. Chris Wood will will be back at Ellen Road. The Leeds fans, you know, they can be pretty brutal at times. I think they'll give him some some serious stick. He he obviously jumped ship three or four years ago. uh, Probably longer than that, actually. uh, Four or five years ago. Um, And, yeah, I'd I bat Leeds to to take a home win. I think at 19 to 20. And also in terms of the score, I, I think Leeds getting a bit better. Well, they're always likely to concede a goal, but you can get 12-1 to 1 on Leeds United 2, Newcastle 0, which for me it is tempting. I think that crowd on Saturday will be right behind Leeds and, you know, I can. I think they're actually going to pick up a bit of form. There's, there's players coming back like, like Sir Pascal Stroik, who's, who's a key defender. And for me, Newcastle, Chris Wood was poor last week. They, they lacked firepower. Callum Wilson, obviously been injured and yeah I, I think Leeds will do a, a job on them and I, I think it's going to get worse for Newcastle before it gets any better. Well Jamie in terms of the Magpies you get the sense that there is a lot of work to be done and still almost mm. too much ready how not to say that's been a bad appointment but in terms of progress as Ross alluded to there's yeah. been no bounce so they are yeah. taking small steps but at the bottom you need to be taking giant leaps. 
Yeah, I mean, even with like Kieran Trippier coming in, he's of course started the last two matches and uh, they drew with Watford. They even lost to Cambridge in the FA Cup as well. So it's, you know, the new signings haven't really come in and had that impact. Of course, um, uh, you know, Chris Wood, he, he blanked on the weekend. So the, the response has been really poor. And uh, yeah, again, Eddie Howe's another manager that I do quite like. But uh, I think the response that they've had since he's come in is, is again, has been really disappointing. Um, they've been really poor away from home this, this season as well. Uh, they're yet to win. Um, against Watford, I thought they were they were really disappointing as well. They only managed one shot on target. So they showed they're a side that aren't, aren't particularly potent, potent at, uh, in front of goal at the moment. Um, of course, I think with Leeds as well, um, they've actually they've been on a difficult run recently. I think they've had to face the likes of Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal. So you know that's where they've been dropping points. But actually, in the games where maybe you'd expect them to to get something from, they re- they have it. They've done exactly that. They beat Palace, beat Burnley. They've drawn with um, you know they beat West Ham, uh, drew with Brentford. So and of course they've they've been really unlucky with injuries th- this season, but they've they've still managed to cope with that. So. Leeds, I think, are a side that I have been somewhat impressed with. Um, and, of course, uh, Jack Harrison was was fantastic on the weekend against West Ham, getting that hat-trick. So, again, actually, you know, similar to my last bet in terms of having a first goal score, I think Jack Harrison, 12-1 uh, to, 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 to score the first goal. So, I think that that's great value in terms of, you know, after his last performance. So, for me, that would definitely be kind of the, the bet that I'd go for in, in that match. But, yeah, I, I definitely see Leeds winning this one, especially at Ellen Road's um, and, and, and given uh, Newcastle's away form. Well, James, on the flip side of Newcastle, could you argue that for all their faults, are they still in with a chance of staying up? They played, what, 20 games this season? They've won one. But when you look at the rest of the teams around them, they're nowhere near being cut adrift. Does that say more about the quality of the teams in the, say, bottom five of the Premier League this season? Are we sort of suffering from a real lack of quality in that area? I think it's I think it's been one of the worst Premier Leagues for, for quite a number of years, especially in terms of the, the quality of the bottom half of the table. And that's testament to why Newcastle are still in with a shout, really. And that's the time for them to pick up points is now because their end of season running is, is pretty grim, really. I had a look at it before we jumped on and I think they faced West Ham, Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester and Arsenal in their final eight games. So... Between between now and then, they're going to be facing plenty of the sides around them that we can all agree are pretty weak sides. And you know, it always helps that they've got ten billion trillion pounds in the bank to go and buy some players. But I'm not particularly enthused by the the players they've been linked with in the January transfer window so far. I know they've been linked to and are actually pretty close to signing Diego Carlos from Sevilla. And yes, he's part of a Sevilla defence that is by far and away the best in La Liga this season but he's quite an erratic defender and he, he makes mistakes and I worry about how that's going to blend in a, in a Newcastle side that if anything they are usually quite well organised and they can't frustrate teams And but you know New, Newcastle do love uh, an erratic defender over the years Titus Bramble Jana Lamboom song so I think Diego Carlos will fit, will fit right in there but yeah, I mean, looking ahead to this weekend, I don't really give them enough of a chance to, to get anything at Leeds. I mean, Chris Wood wasn't really up to much against Watford last week. I think Newcastle desperately need to buy a striker, especially while Callum, Callum Wilson is out through injury. Dwight Gale doesn't look to be in the scene either. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know where the goals are going to come from. I saw Leeds last week that they can turn up to matches and when they do, they, they have the firepower to win them. So even money for the home win looked like decent value to me. And I don't think there's going to be many goals in it. I think it might be a 1-0 or 2-0 job for Marcelo Bielsa's side. You can get under 2.5 goals as well at 6-5. to five. 
James, I'll stay with you very quickly because you said you're a double chance man. I think Newcastle, their double chance is five to six. Any chance at all? Or are you saying no? I think I think the only chance Newcastle have is if they can nick a goal early and, and sit in. That's kind of uh, been Newcastle's currency over the last couple of years. I mean, particularly with, with Steve Bruce, is that they've they've tried to go to go to away games to just sit in and frustrate sides and and take a point. But I think with Leeds now, they've hit a bit of form once they get the Ellen Road crowd on top of the opposition. I, th- I just think there'll be a little bit too much for Newcastle. I think. I don't think any new signs will be in in time for the game either. So, I mean, Kieran Trippier, yeah, he improves he improves the right back position, but he's not really a huge difference maker to the side. And when you look around the team, apart from Alan to Maximum, there's real sort of championship vibes about them. So, yeah, I'm very much concerned about them. Well, if you're listening and you like the thought of any of those three bets, of course, as I say, go to the free bets website. But now it's time for our first segment of the show, shall we say. It's the long shot of the week where we're going to go for nothing really outrageous, not your hundred to ones, but something just a bit more bit more interesting. Let's say upwards of three to one. So a bit of a hit and hope, but there's no pressure if it's wrong because it's a long shot. So, you know, risk does equal reward at times. So let's see what you three have got. Let's start with you, Ross. What would be your long shot of the weekend? Yeah, I think... To be honest, Dan, as a Liverpool fan, I absolutely hate Manchester United and I love seeing them get beat. So I'm actually thinking David Moyes might go there and get a result this weekend. Um, you know, David Moyes is, is is not fondly remembered at Old Trafford, but what he's done at West Ham United has been unbelievable. You know, he's transformed that club from top to bottom. And, you know, speaking to Tony Cotty the other day and he was saying, you know, West Ham could not only finish in the top four, they could win the Europa League as well. You know, that's that's the sort of the scale of the, the renaissance that, that Moyes is presiding over. And after being after being turned over by Leeds last weekend in front of their own fans, I think I think the Irons will, will relish going to, to Manchester and, and turning, you know, Ralph Rangnick's side over. You know, you can get eleven to four on a West Ham win, you can get 15 to 1 on Manchester United nil, West Ham United 1. So, yeah, that's that's my long shot for this week. And, James, what have you got for me, mate? Yeah, I mean, in, in regards to um, United West Ham, I think. I think United are a little bit, um, a little bit underpriced. I, I quite like the look of them to win that one at nine to ten. I mean, it's not too often you get Manchester United in a home game uh, priced up at close to even money. And I think, yeah, West Ham are a good solid side. But I think if you're looking at in terms of value betting, I think like an even money bet on United is pretty good because I think they win that game six or seven times out of ten. But in terms of my long shot, I'm going to attempt to take advantage of the ongoing Everton situation. I'm going to back an Aston Villa win to nil against them. Uh, you can get that at around four to one. Villa unbeaten against the Toffees in the last five meetings and have kept clean sheets in the last couple of games as well. I think they won three nil at Villa Park earlier in the season in the reverse fixture. And yeah, Everton, they're sad you don't want to get involved with too much when you're having a bet. I think... Uh, I think Everton are on everybody's uh, you-know-what list uh, down the years. They've, they've let us down way too many times over the years. But, yeah, I think I think they're there for the taking this weekend. And uh, Villa to win to nil, 4-1. to one. An interesting shout. And, Jamie, what is your long shot of the week? <laughs> uh, so, firstly, I think I'm going to have to apologise to Ross here because I'm actually going to go for... Uh, Quite a big one, actually. I think I'm going to go for Crystal Palace to beat Liverpool, actually. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, now, this one's obviously a very outrageous uh, outrageous shout, but uh, I feel as though at the moment, Liverpool's squad is really going to be stretched now. I think they've had a number of games 
um, with a real limited squad um, in terms of numbers. Of course, they have been really stripped by by injuries. Of course, Thiago out the team. Then, of course, the African Cup of Nations with no Naby Keita, Mane or Salah. So they're going to be really stretched there. They, of course, have a, a very difficult game on Thursday where they travel to the Emirates and, and face Arsenal. So, you know, I, I think they have got a limited squad now. And in terms of... I think if it was at Anfield, then I'm I probably would just about fancy them to just get the job done. But I think the fact that it's at Selhurst Park and Palace at Selhurst Park have actually been really impressive this this season. They've got the sixth best home record in the league this season. They've taken 17 points from 11 matches. Um, Palace, they of course played uh, last Friday, um, uh, having um, uh, playing. Uh, against Brighton so they've obviously had an opportunity to rest as well and I, I do like a lot of their players I think Conor Gallagher's having a really great season Elise is obviously coming to the team and, and he's starting to impress now um, so I just think uh, uh, um, given Liverpool's kind of run of fixtures that they've had um, how stretched their squad is with no Mane and Salah to kind of really unlock the door when when they are struggling I'm actually going to go for for a Palace Palace win on the weekend to beat Liverpool um, that's about five to one so yeah, that's that. Obviously, definitely, definitely a long shot that one. Well, if it comes in, you'll be smiling at that one, won't you? Because you're right in the sense that Palace, they like to bloody the nose of the bigger teams, don't they? They are always good for a mm. upset from time to time. Tottenham fans will know that three 0 reverse in September, so <laughs> it's more than capable. And Palace are a team transformed this season. You know, a not only change of manager. But personnel was out the door in swathes, wasn't it, over the summer? A lot of players out of contract. And to mould a team so quickly, it's going quite well for Palace. And they've also got the, I guess, the luxury of not really worrying about relegation this season. And the better that mm. Conor Gallagher plays, the more kind of value he has. And Chelsea will be thinking, actually, maybe he'll be handy for us. So it's a kind of bitter, bitter pill to swallow for Palace fans because they're thinking, well, Gallagher's great, but if he gets too good, he'll be back in blue colours next season. But I guess that's the loan system for you. So... Right, they're the long shots of the week. As always, if you fancy the sound of those and you want to put your money where your mouth is, go to the FreeBets website and they'll be ready to take all your wages. Back to the news now because it's COVID-19 and of course it has a vice-like grip on the Premier League at the moment. And Jamie, as a Spurs fan, you're probably still going to be sore at the fact that the North London derby was postponed <laughs> on Sunday. In your obviously yeah. biased opinion, did Arsenal get away with one there? Yeah, I, I think kind of the Premier League have really lost sight of, of why they were postponing games in in the first place. Um, of course, Spurs, we were the first team to um, kind of have games postponed, but we had games postponed because the training ground became, you know, we had a lot of cases. We had 18 cases in total where youth uh, youth players, uh, first team members and, uh, and coaching staff were all testing positive. And, you know, Conte spoke about them having to go into the training ground and it just wasn't a safe environment. So, you know, you couldn't then go for... Um, for, for teams to go into the training ground to prepare for matches, so that's why games had to be postponed. So now we've got, you know, one one player testing positive from Arsenal. Um, they've got they had one COVID case. So I think the Premier League have, have really got it wrong there. And of course, you know, it it obviously they had a number of players go off to the African Cup of Nations, um, which they will have known about. So they should have made plans for that. Then of course they're loaning players out as well. They've got Maitland Niles going to Roma. Pablo Mari, I think he's gone to Italy, um, and then they, uh, and you know, they've loaned out other players as well. So, I think they really did take advantage of that rule. Obviously, the rule is there to be to be taken advantage of because I think the Premier League, I think there's a lack of kind of leadership there, there's a lack of understanding in terms of the rules. So, there are players missing at the moment from COVID. But uh, yeah, I was I was very disappointed to kind of see that uh, the North London derby get postponed for sure. 
Now, James, are we at a point where clubs can almost dictate to the Premier League just when they can play their matches? It's almost a case now of the tail wagging the dog. So I know it's not just Arsenal. It's not fair to sort of beat them with the stick. But you can see clubs in the whole, or as a majority, have been guilty of bending the rules from time to time. At what point do the Premier League say, actually, we need to kind of define this rule once and for all? Well, I think... I think the rule. I think it, the potential is right is right there in front of them for the Premier League. I think all they need to do really is start to be a bit tough with these Premier League sides and tell them, look, you need to start using your academies, new youth teams. These clubs are spending tens of millions a year recruiting the best young talent in the country um, to bring them in and sort of get them ready for senior football. And this is no no better situation for them to sort of bring in the sort of cream of the crop of these young players and sort of get them playing some football and. I think I speak for all sort of fantasy football managers when I say that these postponements are an absolute disgrace, really. They're, they're wreaking havoc on my chances of winning the uh, the cricket club at Fantasy League. But, yeah, until the Premier League actually do something, then these teams are just going to keep taking advantage and they're just going to keep pushing the boundaries a little bit further just to see what they can get away with each time. And this is why things like injuries have started to creep into it, why AFCON absentees have started to creep into their mitigation for getting games postponed. So, I mean, it's, it's a sticky wicket for everyone. And a solution does need to be found quite quickly before clubs really do start taking the mick. Ross, I'd be interested to get your stance on this. As James has alluded to there, one option is to simply dive into the under-23s and the academies. Ultimately, that's what they're there for. But is that something you agree with in terms of just getting the matches played or does it run the risk of integrity being damaged for the Premier League? I think first and foremost, the, the chaps there made, you know, two fantastic points. It's, 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 you know, it's not the club's fault, is it? It's the Premier League, like we've said, you know, they set the rules. It's been exploited by the likes of Arsenal at the weekend. Um, the rules need to change. That, 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 that much is clear. When that happens, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But... In terms of your question there, I mean, a few weeks ago, I, I, I was at Leeds v Arsenal at Ellen Road and, and Leeds had 10 players missing that game. And, you know, they got they got taken to the cleanest. I think it was 3-0 at half-time and, and 4-1 at the end. And they had a load of kids playing. And, you know, and even at the weekend at West Ham, Leeds had, you know, the, the bench is just... I mean, I tell you a ridiculous situation, Dan. There's a guy called Archie Gray. He's 15... He's the great nephew of uh, the Leeds legend, Eddie Gray. And he's been on the bench in Premier League games for, for Leeds United uh, a few times recently, including at the weekend. His dad, Andy Gray, you guys being football followers, will, will remember his dad playing for Sheffield United, Bradford City. I mean, that's absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? Having a 15-year-old boy on the bench in a Premier League game, you've had Joe Gellard leading the line for Leeds with all the, the injuries and yeah the, 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 I think some managers Bielsa's not one of them by the way but some managers have definitely exploited it and it, it's got it's it's up to the Premier League now they really do need to change the rules and and, and, and you know set that in stone going forward so we don't have any you know more episodes like we had at the weekend Now Jamie in terms of the weekend are there any mm. matches where you think value could be found a team that may be weakened in first four and subsequently overpriced. What have you got for me? Yeah, I mean, so maybe not so much of a great value one, but I think that uh, Spurs at the moment are a team. I, I, I don't see them getting, obviously, really poor record at Stamford Bridge regardless, um, but that we are missing some key players at the moment. Eric Dyer, of course, will probably miss the match. Romero, don't know if he'll be fully fit for that one, but Son, I think, is a really big miss. 
Um, Spurs have only picked up five points from a possible 21 in the league without Hyungmin Son. So it shows you what an important player he is. But I kind of, I, I really back Chelsea to kind of win by more than more than one goal. So I think for me, I think Chelsea to win by two um, at 15 to four is, is maybe something. I think that's a fairly obvious one. A less obvious one, I think, though, is uh, is Brighton to win away at Leicester. Uh, two to one, of course, Leicester. They are missing a lot of players at the moment. Jamie Vardy, of course, has gone off, uh, is injured. Johnny Evans, another key defender. Of course, a lot of players are at the African Cup of Nations for them at the moment who are, who are really key players. And Didi, Ian Acho. So um, they've been really hit by kind of injuries and, and other circumstances. Um, so I'm definitely back in Brighton to kind of go and win there. Of course, they were fantastic as well last night, Brighton against Chelsea getting that point and they have been really great this season you know just in general so um, I'm, I'm backing Brighton to beat uh, Leicester at two to one that's definitely I think that's a that's a decent price for them so yeah Jamie stay with you I'm gonna have to ask you a vital question here have you ever bet against Tottenham when it looks so tempting and the price looks so good have you thought you know what maybe a bit of insurance here have you ever gone against your own um yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, look, we obviously had a, an incredibly difficult start to the season um, with Nuno Espirito Santo. I mean, that was obviously go that that will obviously go down in the history of Spurs as a, a real crazy period of of having a manager for just a couple of months. Um, and there were definitely games um, during that period. I think the Arsenal match was one. I just didn't see us getting anything from there. Obviously, our record, regardless. But you know, Spurs, we've been really poor this year. So um, I, I definitely was kind of looking at that. But then in fairness, I was going into most games and I was really kind of betting against Spurs to, to, to not pick up any points. Of course, Man United, they came in with poor form and they managed to beat us. And that, that would have been another game that I would have backed Man United to go and get a result from. So um, I'm definitely, definitely in terms of, um, of being biased, I've, um, yeah, I've, I've definitely bet against Spurs a lot of times, especially under Nuno. But uh, maybe not so much now. I think we're, we're getting better under Conte. Um, but we are now, I think, because we've got such a limited squad, I, I, I really don't fancy our chances at going to Chelsea and, and getting anything there. And of course, you know, like one win in 35 or, or, or something crazy like that. Uh, I, 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 yeah, definitely betting against us on the weekend as well. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't bet against us now. As you say, I'm not really confident we'll get anything on Sunday. But that Nuno era, when we were losing nearly every mm. week, it was the easiest yeah. money I think I've ever made as a better. You shouldn't really yeah. bet against your own, but I thought against the, the Arsenal away from Consolation. home. Nice yeah, exactly. Consolation. Yeah, insurance. Just build up the bankroll. Keep it ticking over. So thanks, Nuno, if you're listening. But <laughs> let's go to another managerial departure because that's Everton. Rafa Benitez, he's gone. No real surprise. One win in 13 when you consider Everton were fourth when they were sitting pretty. They're not sitting pretty anymore. So that bit has gone. The Benitez, how should we say this, experiment. Yeah, I think that's a massive failure. But now, of course, they've got to find another successor. James, at the time of writing, Duncan Ferguson is the 7-4 to four favourite. Now, are the next couple of weeks going to beat his job interview? Could it be third time lucky for the Scot? I've just got a feeling it's not going to happen for him. I think if he ever wants to go on and actually have a managerial career, I think he's going to have to do it elsewhere. Um, he, as you say, he's had, this, he's had this hot seat a couple of times and he's actually done all right the, in a couple of times that he's had a go at it. But for one reason or another, the hierarchy at Everton have just decided to go with a bigger name. And... I, I'm I'm stuck with Everton. I really am because they just have no strategy whatsoever, and then now they're just left with a complete mishmash of players from various different regimes and eras, and they have no real identity to how they play. There's no real pattern to how they go about and try to create chances, and 
Yeah, Damari De- Gray has, has had a, has had an excellent season by by his standards. Andros Townsend has done well, but Marcel Brands, the, the the former sort of technical director over there, I'm not surprised he's is the former now. After they've spent they've spent hundreds of millions of pounds, and to be left with a side that Damari Gray and Andros Townsend are the star performers is is pretty unforgivable, really. And they've they've signed some good players, but they've they've not been able to retain them. Likes of Hamas Rodriguez, they've not been able to to keep these players happy and. Those, those sort of players are the, are the guys who are going to take Everton to the next level. And for one reason or another, they're just, they've just not been in a place to be able to take them on to that next level. And I don't, I don't personally think Duncan Ferguson is the man to really to change their fortunes. I've seen likes of Frank Lampard, Graham Potter linked to the post as well. I'm not overly convinced by them either. And I think it's, it's, it's going to be the same in the Everton boardroom. I think they have absolutely no idea where they want to go next because they just lurch from one disaster to the next, trying to pursue one different style of football. They want to play attractive football. They want to play the, in inverted commas, Everton way. And then they want to go for a more pragmatic style. It's, it's summed up like by the fact they were also linked to Jose Mourinho, who's you know one of the biggest shithousing managers of all time. And then also linked with Graham Potter, who's known for playing good technical football so yeah worrying times for Everton at the moment Now Ross one of those players which was signed in the Marcel Brands era of doom was Wayne Rooney now I could get James's opinion but he might be a bit biased in terms of whether Rooney could go to Everton so I'm going to get yours obviously Derby are second bottom in the championship but that comes with a caveat of a huge points deduction so we shouldn't really look at the table as a kind of precursor to how he's doing with that said is the Premier League a step too early for him at this point of his managerial career? I'd, I'd say it probably is, Dan, to be quite honest. But you look at the situation at Derby County, with all respect to James being a Derby fan, a, the Rams are a club in absolute crisis. They're probably going to get relegated, despite Rooney's you know unbelievable efforts there. And how often are you going to get offered the Everton job? If the Everton board are trying to curry some favour with, with the supporters who are very angry and disillusioned with them, they're obviously singing sacked the board at Carroll Road and and other recent games. To bring Rooney back to the club, there's a certain romance to that. Obviously, they've done it once before, bringing him back as a player, but he is an up-and-coming manager. He really is. He's respected in in the game. He's he's, he's probably better than what people realise in in terms of, you know, his intelligence and his, you know, his his sort of, um, his ability as a manager, as as he proved at, at Derby County. You know, if he stays at Derby and and what's going to happen there, they're going to probably end up in in League One. With all respect, does Rooney go back to his first club if the opportunity comes? Like we were saying about Duncan Ferguson, he is seen. He's almost the perennial assistant manager now, isn't he? You know, he and I I also think he'd be happy to be Rooney's assistant, by the way, which is quite ironic given that that Rooney grew up idolising Ferguson as a young boy. So that would be some partnership, Rooney and, and Ferguson with, with Rooney's the gaffer. Rooney's three to one with most bookies at the moment, even though Ferguson's favourite. But, you know, if I had to have a flutter right now, I'd, I'd go on with, I'd, I'd, my money would be on Wayne Rooney to take the job. Well, Jamie, Frank Lampard was mentioned just a couple of minutes ago. He yeah. seems to be the man who is biding his time, which is fair enough. But when you bide your time for too much, you are in danger of being kind of left behind. Is this the opportunity, do I say the perfect opportunity for Lampard to get back into management or will this opportunity also pass him by? 
Yeah, I think with Lampard, I think he's maybe looked at a number of jobs and thought that he's maybe a bit too good for them. Of course, he did have that decent, fairly decent spell at Chelsea. Um, and I do think he just fancies himself as, as kind of a top manager. So I think he will look at Everton and think that that is actually probably quite a good job to get back into. Um, I thought he was relatively de- did relatively well at Chelsea, of course. I think when the pressure started getting a bit much at uh, at Chelsea, I think that was always going to be the thing. I think he was brought in at Chelsea um, at the time um, because obviously they had no transfer window. And then it was, of course, they were having to bring in young players and it was just kind of felt the right fit for Chelsea at the time. But when the pressure started getting, uh, you know, started to increase when, you know, they were able to start spending money. And then, of course, there was that expectation to start winning stuff. I, I think that that's maybe where the job got a bit too big for him. But I think with Everton, it's probably a fairly decent job for him. But I, I, I just look at that job and I think it's kind of a real poison, poison chalice. Um, I, I think Everton are a, a pretty poorly run club, of course. I think uh, they've just signed Anwar Ogarzi. There was reports that um, Rafa Benitez wasn't the one that was pushing for him. It was kind of the board that looked to sign him. And I just never think that that's a good way to run a club where you're signing players for the manager instead of letting him pick the pick the you know pick the players himself. So I do kind of worry for whoever's going to go in there. But actually, I agree um, with, with what the guys have said. I think Wayne Rooney will probably be the the, the choice. Actually, um, I just think that they need to win kind of the supporters back around. And I think Wayne Rooney, of course, we know he had that that second spell at Everton. He does seem to be somewhat of a club legend there. So I think that Wayne Rooney would probably be my choice as. Uh, as the next Everton manager. But I think Lampard also, that just feels like the right fit for him um, as well. So Rooney would definitely be my favourite. I think Lampard, there's definitely a good chance of him going there as well. To be honest, I reckon it'll be Lampard. I just think it'd be a step too far for Rooney. I know it's kind of the pulling on the heartstrings and getting those Everton fans back on board. But then you've got to look logically as Everton want to try and be a club which is breaking through that glass ceiling. They keep trying and now they're kind of going backwards. I think that Lampard has shown what he can do with young players also at Chelsea. And I think this could be just the right time for him to get back into the fold. However, if you are someone who fancies a new manager bounce, which I guess at the weekend will be Duncan Ferguson, you can back Everton at odds of 17-10 to to win. Do you know what? I like a bit of new manager bounce. I like a flutter. So I'm going to go to the Freebets website and do exactly that. So before I do that, let's do the final bit of business for this show, which is our team fourfold. Really simple. We're going to pick a leg each, combine it into an acre, Try and go for bets, shall we say, over 1.2 or 1.5 if you're a decimal fan to make things just a little bit more interesting. We don't want to insult your intelligence by going for a 1 to 100 on bet. You know, we're going to sort of try and do our best to find some value. So, Ross, with that in mind, I'm going to start with you. What have you got for me? Yeah, I'm going for I'm going for Leicester 2, Brighton 2 at 15 to 1. Blimey, that is big. He's not mucking about there. Any reason why? Yeah, I think, I think Brighton are obviously... Are coming forth under, under Graham Potter. I, I, I really like what what they're doing. I think Leicester have got got players missing and they're slightly vulnerable. But Leicester have had some some good results themselves recently, and I, I do see goals in this, and I do see it ending all square. So I think two all at fifteen to one it represents good value. Okay, then Jamie, the same question to you, and can you also show your workings? I'm actually, I think I'm going to go for Brentford to beat Wolves. I know Wolves have obviously been in good form, but they are starting, they are missing a couple of key players at the moment. Uh, Ruben Neves is out the team. 
Uh, Marcel's out the team, uh, Saiz out the team as well, and, and Huang as well. He's obviously been in good form. Um, Brentford, uh, they've, they've won three out of the last five home matches, and they have picked up some good results this season in terms of at home. So I actually do kind of fancy them to maybe get a result there at, uh, against Wolves. So uh, I'm going for Brentford to, to beat Wolves at 2-1 to one on the weekend. I like it. And James, what are you throwing my way? I've, I've gone off-road a little bit. I've dropped into the championship for Ooh, my leg. It's gone off-menu. Yeah, what am I like? You can't take me anywhere. But I'm going uh, I'm gonna be back in Fulham. You've got to be back in Fulham at the minute. They're away at Stoke, who aren't in great form at home. They won last time out. They won at Hull. Um, but at home, they've won just one of the last seven matches. And Fulham have scored 19 goals in the last seven days. So... Yeah, that's, that's actually more, well, it's obviously more goals than Norwich have scored all season, but it's two more goals than Wolves have managed all season in eighth place in the Premier League. So that just tells you how well they're playing at the minute. And they're surely worth a dabble to me at 10 to 11. And we've, we've, it's always nice to have a good multiplier and an accumulator. And a 15 to 1 leg always helps. Not including in this ACA, James, shall we say that Fulham are going to be good for goals again this weekend? Will it be the sixes and sevens? Or will it be a little less this time? I think it'll be a little less this time. I mean, Stoke have brought Phil Jagielka into the club. I'm not crying, you're crying. Um, so that has certainly solidified the Stoke defence, which typically isn't too bad anyway, but Fulham can't keep scoring at that rate. I think um, the, the stat last night after they knocked six um, past Birmingham City was that it's the first time in the Football League in around 83 years that a team has scored more than six or more goals in three consecutive games. The last team to do that um, I'd let you guess, but you're never going to get it in a million years. It was Chester City back in the, the mid-1930s. So that just tells you how well they're doing in a minute. But I think Stoke will make it a bit of a tougher game. But yeah, Fulham at 10-11, to 11, I think, is a good price against a side that are doing particularly well at home. OK, and to steer things back to the Premier League, I'm going to go to St Mary's, Southampton versus Manchester City. Both teams to score, I'm going to say no at evens. I just think with City... You know, they're on the march, 12 wins out of 12 in the Premier League. They're just giving nothing away. Um, usually known for their attacking guile, but it, it seems to be the defence is also winning them the Premier League this season. So I'm going to add that to the fourfold. I don't know the maths off the top of my head. However, the free bets website will. So if you fancy the sound of that fourfold, hit the website up, get that bet placed, and who knows, you might be counting your pounds come the end of the weekend. Right, that brings us to full time, I think. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if these any of these bets take the fancy across the show, visit that free bets website. And now, with that done, I need to thank my trio of top guests. So, James, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Absolutely. Ross, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Thanks, Dan. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers, mate. And, Jamie, last but not least, thanks for also imparting your betting wisdom. Thank you, Dan. My pleasure. Cheers, guys, and also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.